This is episode 673 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, 8 Clever Ways Our Ancestors Stayed Warm All Winter and 10 Low-Cost Ways to Prep. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we jump into our two articles of this podcast, I want to just give a quick shout out to Jex7373. And for some reason, I mean, this is on iTunes, but it's not showing up on iTunes, but I'm seeing it on the back end in my podcast host. So I don't know why it's not showing up. I've been able to verify that it is from iTunes. I don't know if it's done on purpose or if uh, they're just iTunes is just running really behind and it's not showing it. But anyway, I, I wanted just to give a quick shout out because Jack7373 uh, did leave um, a review and just uh, I want to say thanks. So he says, hello, Todd, really enjoyed the bug out episode with your two guests. And well, actually, the guys, there was three guests. So uh, Chip Feck, uh, Mick Rowland and Brian Hawkins. But uh, there's no way to be prepared for everything. But the insights that were given in this show helped steer me in a better direction towards better preparedness. The Russian family story is terrifying, and I've seen their story before on the History Channel. At one point, all their crops had died, and and all they had was one potato vine that had sprung up. They stayed around it all winter to keep it warm and pray over it. While the indomitable human spirit has been tested many times, I often wonder if I have the stuff to make it in difficult times. Thanks for your faith and all you do. Keep up the great work. Well, Jex, thanks so much for uh, dropping that review. And, you know, I think we do come to a point when we are in that situation that we do step up. And hopefully that is that's the case. And the more knowledge and the more understanding you have, um, the more you realize that you need to, the easier it will be. I do believe that there is a you know, an overwhelm that can come with so much uh, emergency situations and things like that. People can get overcome. But if you have, um, and I don't know, lack of a better term, war game them, or you have thought through the scenarios, you can easily make those adjustments. And that's not just uh, for, you know, Jax or even for me, that's for everybody. When you're able to think through situations and you have an idea of what you would do, your mind is able to make some uh, some of those memories and you're able to lock some of those things in. So if you get to a thing where you, uh, a situation where you need to respond quickly, well then hopefully that, that muscle memory kicks in. And uh, some of you have experienced that in other areas like police officers, you know, they, they uh, practice shooting so much that when they, they're in a situation, it's just kind of automatic. And they often say, well, I, you know, I think I let off three rounds or whatever. And really, they've emptied out their whole magazine. And so the whole that whole idea, is, you know, goes into play as well into preparedness. And that's why it's important to have plans. So, Jex, again, thanks so much for that review. I greatly appreciate it. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our first article of this episode. It comes to us from HomesteadSurvivalSite.com. And the title is Eight Clever Ways Our Ancestors Stayed Warm All Winter. And so this is a good one just as we are moving into winter. There's always that opportunity. Um, Well, some of y'all are really into winter. Down here in Houston, it is 
uh, warm. I mean, one one day it's cold enough to wear a, a jacket and, and you know, a, a bigger jacket. And then the next day I'm wearing shorts. So it's really crazy. But some of you are like right in the middle of winter, right in the thick of it. And there's always that possibility that you know, the heat goes out. There's always that possibility that a storm comes in and wipes out, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, the availability that's there. And you're having to deal with what you have on the inside in your home. And so these are some of the, the ways that you can do it. And so let's go ahead and uh, start uh, looking into this article here. Again, from Homestead Survival Site, Eight Clever Ways Our Ancestors Stayed Warm All Winter. Wherever your homestead is, winter brings with it lower temperatures that can quickly do harm if you're not prepared. Whether your winter season is in the 40s or the minus 40s, you can prepare for the cold with age-old traditions and tactics. Here are some clever ways our ancestors stayed warm all winter. All right, so number one is cover heads and feet. A lot of heat escapes the body through the feet and head. Our ancestors understood this and would rarely be seen outside in the elements without a hat or a head covering. Walking barefoot through the ice and snow was also avoided when possible to protect from frostbite. The same is true for our current climate. Walking around the house during the winter in bare feet can significantly lower your body temperature. Wear wool socks to keep your feet warm and toasty all winter. Adding a hat or even a hoodie during cold weather can increase your comfort as well. All right, so I've got to, uh, I got to completely agree with this one here. When it gets cold in my house, um, I have some slippers <laughs> that have the nice, you know, fuzzy, you know, I guess the, the, the fuzzy wool or cushion on the inside. And, and so I'm wearing socks and, and all that kind of stuff. Normally, when it is not wintertime around here, uh, I just have some flip-flops that I wear around the house um, because we do have tile all over the place. And uh, it's just, you know, it, I think it's better on your feet and, and, and all that good stuff. But um, I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, around the house, if you can invest in some some uh, really great socks, you know, I think that's so important. Having having good socks that are really uh, that do the, the job to insulate uh, is important and uh, not only for the outside, but even on the inside. All right. So uh, let's move on. All day baking. So generations ago, there was no convenient pre-made bread to pick up at the grocery store. Baking bread and stoking the oven was required, even on the warmest days, to prepare food. The stove would often work all day long to prepare bread and hot meals for family members working outside. We can do the same by using our ovens to create baked goods during the winter. Making a hot breakfast, lunch, and dinner also brings comfort on the coldest of winter days. Using the oven not only heats up the kitchen, but it also adds warmth to the home. When the baking is done, leave the oven door cracked open to allow the warm air to escape into the room for added heat. All right, completely agree with this one. And this one works the opposite way as well during summertime. During summertime, if you your house you know heats up very quickly when you're cooking, you want to be careful not to cook in the heat of the day. You know, not to not to cook or uh, start your oven up in the heat of the day. You might want to wait a little bit later on when when the, the evening comes and it's a little bit cooler to go ahead and do do that cooking or cook outside. So we talk about that often uh, during the summertime, but uh, during the winter time, this makes a whole lot of sense. And I can tell you. Um, in the morning time when I wake up, uh, I'm always, always have my, especially when it's cold, I have a sweatshirt on and all that good stuff. But when I start making breakfast, I got to take that off and I just have a t-shirt on because the stove is on and because I'm in there cooking and, and all that good stuff. So a uh, very great recommendation there. Um, you know, something to, to think about. 
Number three is natural insulation. Our ancestors made their homes warm during the winter by adding some natural insulation on the outside of the house. Stacking up hay bales near drafty windows or ground floor walls would help keep the wind from cutting through the, ha- the home. They also would gather fallen leaves into bags or sacks during autumn and stack those up against the sides of the house. You can also do this to help cover that drafty window or door that isn't used during cold weather. Consider stacking these items in an area that won't see constant rain to avoid a sopping wet bag of leaves next to the home that could do damage if it rots. All right, so other things that you can do here is also cover a window just with a blanket and throw, you know, like a heavy blanket, heavy quilt over the window and uh, and, and do it that way. I have also heard of insulating uh, windows with some bubble wrap. So if you have some bubble wrap and that's actually something I, w- I want to try just uh, we do have my son's uh, my son is on the corner of the house and that uh, is kind of exposed to I guess to to the wind it doesn't have a fence around it and he uh, his room gets a little bit colder when when the wind is blowing and it's cold so I wanted to try that just as an experiment to see if that would work but I think one of the funny things is during the uh, our exclusive email group chat that we do every other Tuesday night. This kind of came up because we were talking about ways to stay warm and, and things like that. And somebody brought, you know, those those that live up north brought up this uh, this insulation window film that you, you put up. So you tape up uh, along your windows and then you use a blow dryer to kind of heat it up so it's uh, so it's you know nice and, and tight and you're still able to see out the window if you want to you know keep your window open or whatever and I had never heard of that being down here in the south I mean I've lived here all my life I've never I guess we don't have a real big need for that um, you know because even in the winter time even when we had the single pane windows I mean we feel a little bit of cold coming through but not anything needing something like this but uh, I was very surprised. So someone talked, you know, mentioned it, and uh, I looked at it, and they actually dropped a link in uh, in the chat, and I was able to go check it out. And sure enough, um, it's not very expensive. So if you've never heard of that and you need something like that, that is something pretty cool to to have. It's a one time use. I mean, you put it up and you leave it there for winter, uh, and then you take it down after winter time. But uh, that's another way of that you can insulate, you know, your windows and things like that. All right, next, uh, number four is drink warm beverages. Now, there is a reason why many of us like to eat soup, stews, and tea in the winter. They help keep our bodies warm. Drinking warm beverages is another age-old tradition during the colder months. It's not only war- it not only warms up our hands, face, and mouth, but also can increase your body comfort when it is bitterly cold outside. A cup of coffee, tea, cocoa, or warm milk can help relax the body and warm it up right before bedtime as well. All right, great recommendation there. Number five, close room doors. Many homesteaders still do this old-time practice of closing off parts of the home during the winter. Our ancestors actually chose to live in just one room to conserve heat. Closing the doors to an unused bedroom and shutting the vent to that room will help focus the heat back to areas of the house that are used daily. It was not uncommon for our ancestors to close entire rooms off their homes during the winter to keep the home warm. If you choose to do this, Make sure that the room doesn't get too cold and that no pipes are running through the room's walls that could be compromised. And that's a good point right there. You always got to think about that, especially when you are in temperatures where it it drops down, you know, below freezing and it stays there for a while. We have those very rare times and everybody freaks out when that happens down here in the south. Uh, You can't find, 
you know, the, the insulation to um, wrap pipes and things like that. I don't know what people do. I guess they, you know, because every year it's like Home Depot and Lowe's runs out of that stuff. And so you wonder, like, do people just rip those off after winter? You know, it's like you could just leave those on. But anyway, so um, that's a really good point there to, uh, you know, get small as far as where you're living. And that will always help to uh, increase the warmth in your home. Number six is keep moving. Our ancestors rarely had time to sit around all day. There was always something to do and something to take care of. The same is true for us homesteaders who have chores and animals to tend to outside. Part of keeping warm during the winter is staying active. There could be wood to chop, snow to shovel, or animals to feed. Getting out of the house and moving your body is a natural way to keep warm during the colder months. Number seven, use a humidifier. Now, while past generations didn't have modern humidifiers, they did have their own version to use on the wood stove. Our ancestors would raise the humidity level in their homes by adding a kettle of water to sit on top of the stove. The water would boil and the steam would add to the warmth of the room. We could do this now with the convenience of electric humidifiers that can raise the humidity of each room. If you have a wood stove, consider using a water kettle as well. Number eight, heat up your bed. Bed warmers were a commonplace back in the day to keep sleeping areas comfortable. While you probably don't have an antique bed warmer, you do have the option to make your bed nice and toasty. Add a wool or fleece blanket to the bed to keep you warm at night. Investing in an electric blanket can also be nice if you're willing to pay for the added electricity it uses. Another easy way to warm up the bed is to add a warm water bottle or a DIY rice bag to the bed a few minutes before you get in. The warmer temperature will preheat the bed for you, making a warm space for sleep. Now, there are plenty of ways to stay warm during the winter without turning up the furnace or needing more firewood. While some of these tips may seem commonplace, many new homesteaders may not know all of these clever ways our ancestors stayed warm all winter. When the temperature drops, your homestead this <laughs> let me read that line again. When the temperature drops on your homestead this winter, consider using these tips to keep you and your family comfortable no matter where you live. All right, so uh, good points. I want to add just two really quickly here. The first one is, I mean, both of these are like no-brainers. You know, I guess they could have in included these in the uh, in the article and, and really had 10, 10 ways our ancestors stayed warm. But um, the first one is, I'm going to say, is dress in layers. So we talk about that when we're going outside and we're going to be in the cold and, you know, winter and all that kind of stuff. And, and not just in the wintertime, really at all times. So you have different layers on. Um, but that's another way that you can do it. Dress in layers on the inside uh, so that you can easily strip off, you know, like a sweatshirt or, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a long sleeve shirt that you have on uh, underneath or, or whatever, you know, a T-shirt, all that kind of stuff. So dress in layers uh, when you're at home. They talked a little bit about a hoodie. And then the other thing is keep some blankets just laying around. That's one thing that we do. Um, you know, we don't always jam up the heat uh, so much and we have some blankets. So in the morning uh, where, you know, I wouldn't want to turn on the heat because, you know, the house is going to warm up a little bit, you know, as we as we move further on in the day. I have a blanket when I get up to do my devotionals and stuff like that. So it's a really nice blanket. So if you if you pay attention, like, you know, after winter sells and things like that, find some good blankets that you can uh, have is just extra. I think that's always smart to have some extra blankets. And, you know, if you're one of those people that don't have a lot of space, using those space saver 
those, those space saver bags where you put them in, you put a lot of stuff in there and then you use a vacuum cleaner to suck out the, uh, the air. That will save a lot of space. I've used that uh, often. I actually wrote a little article on that uh, and showed how how much I compressed, you know, comforters and things like that that we were kind of storing. So I think that's always uh, a smart move to to have. And you can always go to uh, you know a resale shop and, and find some really nice blankets there and just take them to the to the cleaners if you if you want to do that or, or clean them at home and um, or wash them at home I guess. And uh, you know you have some extra ones there. But uh, my wife found some really nice ones one uh, you know one after winter sale I guess at Sam's. And those suckers get used all the time, you know. And so uh, we just have them, you know, out in, in the living room. So if anybody ever gets cold, um, they're able to put them on. So a great article over here at homesteadsurvivalsite.com, like always. I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. And so you can go check it out and go check out the other articles over at homesteadsurvivalsite.com. All right, our next article comes to us from foodstoragemoms.com. Again, Linda Loosely over there, um, great friend of the podcast and Prepper website. Also, she's on the exclusive email uh, group and shows up every once in a while. Um, Great, great stuff over here. So this article is 10 low-cost ways to prep. I think right now with the economy and where, where things are, people understand the importance of preparedness, but they're also looking for ways to cut costs. And so uh, here's some great advice from Linda. Let's go ahead and jump into this one. Today, it's all about no low-cost ways to prep. I find myself constantly encouraging and challenging people to be prepared well ahead of the storm, whether it's a tornado, hurricane, wildfire, or earthquake that you may one day face. With all of the disasters and calamities that are happening more and more all around us, I can't stress prepping enough with you. Let's talk about these 10 low-cost ways to prep. Many times people will tell me that they simply don't have the finances in order to make this happen. And I understand whether where they're coming from. Maybe this sounds like your current situation. It can seem costly when it comes to prepping, but that doesn't mean that you should give up on the idea. Prepping on a tight budget may in fact be tougher to do, but it is possible and I'd love to show you how. Don't prep while on a shopping spree. Something that I've encouraged you not to do is to head out and buy everything all at once or make the mistake of waiting until it's too late and the disaster is already knocking at your door. Prepping is all about being patient while finding the best deals. Do your research ahead of time instead of heading to the store or going online while trying to get everything all at once. Yes, this will require many trips over a period of time, but you'll save a bunch of money taking your time and shopping for the lowest prices and not buy things that you don't need. Number two, prioritize what's important. When you're first starting out with prepping, it's imperative that you prioritize everything based on your planning. Think short term. Don't get caught up buying the cool survival gear that should come much later for you when you're planning to bug out. Prepping for disaster is certainly not cheap, so be sure to buy the things that matter the most first. This includes gathering enough food and water for everyone in your family that will last you for a minimum of 72 hours. Think about what you will need for shelter, clothing, and ways of cooking your meals. Okay, that's probably one of the most important uh, paragraphs in the whole article. And really, I would tell you that is one of the most important understandings of preparedness for most people, especially those of you that are new coming into preparedness. Maybe you're new coming in because of 
what has happened with COVID and what you're hearing about all the, you know, the, the pandemic and, 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 you know, the lockdowns and, and where you're hearing all the thing, all the crazy things going on. And you might feel like, man, I'm behind the eight ball and I need to, to jump into it and getting your credit card and going hog wild and buying every little, you know, piece of gear and things out there is not what you need to do. You need to have, you need to prepare from a plan. And so I really, I just want to stop here just for a second. And I want to talk a little bit about this. Write down what you need. Write down what you're planning for, what you're prepping for, you know. And so she talked a little bit about hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and blizzards if you're up north and all that kind of stuff. If you're prepping for that, prep for that. And what do you need to be able to get through that? A lot of the times people instinctively already know. I would go ahead and write down, uh, have this exercise. And, and this is, so whatever you're planning for, whether it is an economic collapse, whether it is, uh, you know, whether it is a blizzard, whether it is a hurricane, earthquake, whatever, here is a, a very brief exercise to run through. So if whatever you're planning for, you need to write down your current situation. This is my current situation. If I was to be in a you know, hurricane, you know, I only have one day worth of food. I only have uh, one day's worth of, you know, uh, wa- I have no way to store water. Uh, I have no, you know, if my electricity goes out, I have no way to charge my cell phone. Th- those types of things. And then go down and at the bottom of the page, write down what you would like to see happen. What would be the, you know, if you were prepared, what would it look like? And so you're going to write down, well, if uh, I was in a hurricane and, uh, you know, if I was prepared with food, I would have at least two weeks worth of food that I could cook uh, somehow, um, you know, maybe outside on my barbecue grill, or I could cook, uh, you know, on a camp stove or something along those lines. I would have two weeks worth of water for everybody in my home. I would have ways to charge my cell phone and to get information on what's going on out there and, you know, radios, whatever. Right. And so you you write down what it would look like if you were prepared and then you look at the top, you look at the bottom and in between that, just bullet it out. What do you need to make happen for the bottom to be the reality? So, okay, number one bullet. I need to have two weeks worth of food. I need to make a menu. You know, I need to make a menu. I need to go and have canned food that won't spoil if my electricity goes out. Number two, I need to have two weeks worth of water for every person. One gallon of water for every, uh, you know, for every family member per day. And, you know, you can, whatever you're going to do to, to, to uh, be prepared for that, whether that you're going to go bottled water, where, whether you're going to get some water bricks, like uh, Linda was talking about here, maybe you're going to get a 55 gallon drum, whatever you're going to do there. Um, I am going to get a battery charger that will charge my phone five times. You know, I'm going to get maybe a small solar panel that will charge up or a generator or, you know, so you're writing down what you would need to be able to make it that preparedness a reality. And you can even make it even smaller. I mean, I know I was talking about a hurricane, but maybe you just want to take one category and you want to say food. What would it look like if I was prepared with food? And so, you know, you like my current situation, I have two days worth of food. 
What would it look like if I was prepared with food? Okay, I would have 30 days worth of food. What do you need to do to make that happen? And you start bulleting that out. That's what Linda is talking about here. That's what she's talking about, having a plan and moving forward with that plan and not going crazy because everyone goes there. I can tell you, everyone who enters preparedness without a plan goes to the store and you just start buying everything. Oh, I think I need this. I need that. Or you start you start shopping on Amazon. Hey, uh, you know, this website said I needed that. Or, hey, uh, you know, I saw this cool piece of gear, you know, because I, I need to survive in the wilderness. Well, more than likely, you're not ever going out to the wilderness. So, you you know, that's not your priority. Get that stuff later on when you're ready to, you know, maybe go camping and stuff like that. Get the stuff that's important. All right. So I spent a lot of time on that. But <clears throat> like I said earlier, that that is a very important understanding. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat there. Um, that's a very important understanding for those of us who are in preparedness. And maybe you're new and that needs to be uh, a way that you set it up. All right. So let's go ahead and move forward. All right. So number three, ask for it. Have you ever had family or loved ones ask you what you want for your birthday or for Christmas every year? If so, now's the perfect opportunity to ask them for survival gear and other prepping equipment without having to feel bad or ending up with something that you never use or didn't want in the first place. All right, so great example. So many times now, like for Christmas, you know, people will ask, or they'll ask my wife, like, what does Todd want? And a lot of the times it's like, I don't want, first of all, I don't want anything. I just don't like people spending money. But if you have to get me something, just get me an Amazon gift card. And, and I'm just going to go get what I what I want there, you know, and if I don't, if I can't afford it with that one gift card, then I will wait till I have another gift card that I can, you know, uh, put together. So uh, great, great piece of advice there. All right, moving on, adding prepping to your budget. Since prepping is something that should be looked at as more of a long term goal, why not add it to your budget? You might be thinking that you don't have any wiggle room in your budget for prepping, but I'd be willing to bet otherwise. You just have to be willing to make a few sacrifices along the way, whether it's with your weekend entertainment or how often your family eats out each week. Consider all the other areas in your budget that aren't necessities where you could cut back. All right, so that's an important one there, but I'm also going to throw in my two cents here. This is why you have a side hustle. This is why you have a micro biz. I'm going to be talking more about that in 2021 especially with the economy and where we are, I think we all need to focus on extra streams of income. So yeah, you can always tweak your budget, but I'm telling you one of the ways that you can add to your family finances and you can prep is by having some doing something on the side and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go crazy on it, right? You can do something, there, there's things that you can do and uh, with just a little bit of time and effort and you can bring in 10, 25, $50 a week, you know, and what would that do to your preparedness? All right, moving on, buy in bulk while going generic. When it comes to your food supply, there are several different methods that you can use and do so at a lower cost. When you have a large family, I'd encourage you to do your shopping in bulk. Though you'll pay more upfront with just one visit, you're actually paying a whole lot less over time. You can buy large bags of rice and dried beans for only a few pennies a pound while they're both filling and come with protein that your family needs. Shopping for generic foods is also not a bad way to go. 
Yes, there may be a few times where generic is not priced as you'd like, but in most cases, it's quite comparable to the national brands when you pick up the right product. You'll also have another advantage of paying a lot less for generic food when you can purchase things in bulk. Definitely one of those things to uh, consider and, and to think about. All right, shop for non-perishable foods at food food banks. All right, so let me read this one, and then I want to come back and, and just uh, clarify some things here or just give a comment on this one. This one may require some of you to swallow your pride in order to even step foot in one of those these stores, but food banks are an extremely cheap way or even free for those that qualify to stock up on canned goods and other non-perishable food items. Just remember to rotate your stock at least once a year. That way you're not stuck with spoiled food when you need it the most. One of the things that I have heard recently, and you have heard about it, you know, because of all the job losses because of COVID and shutting down the economy and all that crazy stuff is that the food lines are, uh, are just, just backed up. I mean, there's, you know, then the food banks are just running out. And so uh, there was a video, I think I'm going to write a short article and, and post it on preparedchristians.com. But, uh, the, you know, we're, they were highlighting uh, one of the, the national directors of, of, you know, food banks and stuff like that. And they were talking about that, you know, the, the clientele that's coming into the food banks now are, are now the people that used to donate because of job losses and because, you know, things are tight. So right now, unless you live in an area where, you know, the food banks are maybe being supported by the government or something along those lines, you may find that uh, there's just not a lot of food at the food banks. It's not like like it used to be. So uh, you'll just have to kind of sort that one out if that's something that you want to try for. And then uh, hit up the dollar store. As a prepper, you can save yourself hundreds of dollars by heading to your local dollar store for several of your prepping needs. After all, there's no need to buy something that's higher in retail stores when a dollar item could just as easily deliver in the same way when SHTF. Why would you spend a bunch of money on something that you'll only use once or maybe never even at all? At a dollar store, you can find first aid supplies, medicines like pain relief, allergy medicine, antibiotics, etc., flashlights, hygiene supplies, hand sanitizers, baby wipes, shampoo, soap, toothpaste. You may even come across rain ponchos, t-shirts, socks, and underwear when you visit. Even though they may seem to be of a lesser quality, dollar stores sometimes have smaller hardware items such as hammers, blades, screws, washers, and other cheap items that will more than serve their purpose. You're really going to, when, when we're considering a dollar store, you really need to look at what you're getting and if, it's true, if it truly is a value there. There are going to be some things that are valuable. There are going to be some things that are, I would say, yeah, go buy. And there's going to be other things like, no, some things are actually more expensive. Like when you're looking at canned foods and you go to the dollar store, you might, you know, they have a, uh, you know, a can for a dollar or 99 cents or whatever they're selling you for. A lot of the times at the grocery store, it's going to be cheaper. So you really need to be wise about how you do that. Sometimes the first aid supplies, the things that they sell, it's like they'll sell a package, but there'll be two or three or four, you know, whatever it is in there compared to if you go to a regular grocery store or Walmart or, you know, one of those uh, big box stores, you're getting a whole lot more inside of it. You're paying more, but you're getting a lot more as well. So you just got to, you know, uh, really think it through. Um, I've always talked about the, the candles at uh, the dollar store, uh, the candles there, the the long uh, the the one the, the ones that kind of look like 
I guess if you're Catholic, you know, they have the Catholic, uh, you know, they'll have a saint on there, Jesus from Mary or whatever. And so they're, they're basically the same type of candle, but they're clear, right? You know, they're in a clear glass. And those are the ones that last forever. I try, I did an experiment one time. I was going to, I was measuring and I was trying to get this, uh, this sucker to, to go down. And I left it on all day long and it only went down like an inch. And so I definitely would, um, would suggest that you maybe get some of those candles. Um, that, that's a really great value, but you really need to think it through and really look and consider the value that you're getting there. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Next up, don't forget your local thrift shops. Thrift shops are another great place to look when you're trying to prepare for disasters while on a budget. There's certainly nothing wrong with purchasing items that have barely been used and where you'll only wind up spending a fraction of the cost compared to buying brand new. You can track down flashlights, lanterns, rain and winter gear, clothing, blankets, medical supplies, sleeping bags, camping gear, tools, and cooking wear. The list goes on and on, but you'll need to be patient and be willing to visit a number of times to find what you're looking for. All right, so I completely agree with Linda on this one. And, you know, pay attention to where you're going. So a couple of thoughts here. You could go to some thrift stores that are in very... Uh, affluent areas in your in your city. So if you live in a bigger city where where um, you might have these definite definite you know in Houston it's very easy to find these right. So a thrift store or a resale shop that is in a very affluent area, because what winds up happening is you know when people are getting rid of things they're going to go there they're going to drop them off right and so you just expect that those thrift stores are going to have a, a better selection, higher quality items there. On the flip side of that, maybe you want to go to a thrift store that is in an older area that has gone through some demographic changes. And so here's the idea behind that. Older people who have who lived in an area for a long, long time and have a lot of stuff who then get to a place where they're no longer able to take care of themselves or their family comes in and they start getting rid of things and they have high quality items, but they they just don't want to you know take them. They have their own or they don't want to try to do a garage sale or an estate sale. They're just trying to like get rid of things. They will take those to a, a, a local resale shop or a thrift store. And so in that case, you might find some really great things there as well. So you really, you need to go into a, a thrift store every once in a while and check it out and see what kind of quality things that, that you're getting. And then possibly, you know, it's like, hey, you hit it a couple of times and you never find anything good, then you might not want to go to that one, right? And so uh, getting to know some of the people there too, they can always help you know when, uh, you know, when new things are coming out and, and things like that. So uh, that could be helpful. All right, so next up, stay warm with space technology. Your everyday typical blanket that you'd find at any given retail store will run you around 10 to $30. But when you have several members in your family that can quickly add up, why not use these emergency space blankets that you can find for free or for under $4? They use your body's own heat to keep you warm during an emergency. So that's probably not something that you want to have uh, at home, you know, and, and use it on an everyday basis because a lot of those is like a one-time use. They're so thin all, unless you get one of the thicker ones. Um, they do have those, but they're going to be more expensive. 
you know, again, I would say the resale shop would have some uh, blankets or look for them after, uh, after winter sells and things like that. All right, so don't go skimpy on your drinking water. <laughs> this is important. While you may be looking for ways to save money on all your other prepping needs, your drinking water shouldn't be one of them. You don't want to be left drinking contaminated water that can make you and your family sick. Water is arguably the most critical item that you'll be needing. So whether you decide to buy several cases of bottled water or purchase a handful of portable water filters that can be used on any water source, don't wait until after the disaster has struck because your tap water may no longer be drinkable. Completely agree. You need multiple ways to filter water, multiple ways to store water. I think that's just smart. Um, you know, we're so used to just turning on the tap and just going from there. And that's just not, you know, you might find yourself, you know, you just in a normal uh, situation, the, the city might turn off water because they're working on a pipe. Uh, or, you know, your neighborhood, they might turn off water to your neighborhood. I've had that happen before, you know, and so they turn off water at the, you know, all of a sudden you're, you got the water on and it just completely goes and they don't even tell you, they don't even warn you. And it could be a day, it could be longer. So, uh, you need the, the ability to have water and to filter water and to, uh, you know, drink, have that for, for, for drinking and cooking and hygiene and all that good stuff. That's just one of the, the no brainers there in preparedness. All right, so a final word here from Linda. Prepping for disasters does cost a bit of money, but with extra planning and patience, you'll be able to cut those costs by over half while using some of my budgeting tips. However, I don't want to lead you astray. There are items that you don't want to go cheap on when it comes to your survival gear. For instance, you have to be willing to pay a little extra for good quality sleeping bags so that your family is not freezing outside during the night. What are some other low-cost ways of saving money when prepping that you've come across? May God bless this world, Linda. All right, so thanks, Linda, on this one. Um, guys, again, I'm going to leave, uh, leave this one in the in the show notes as well, <laughs> the link to this one, uh, 10 Low-Cost Ways to Prep, so you can go and check it out. There's a lot of links in both of these articles and then you know the comments. Uh, Linda has a a big community over there. So there's always comments and extra information that people provide. And so it's always good to, to read those. So I'm going to uh, to link to that as well. But definitely we are in this situation where we need to continue prepping and we need to uh, continue stocking up and, sh and shoring up where we are. So that's just smart. So what kinds of things do you need to do as we are uh, here at the end of 2020, moving into 2021, you know, that might be some things to think about and uh, how you can shore things up in your preparedness moving into the new year. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 673. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.